Good morning, all. A special welcome to those who are viewing us over Zoom. I know that Laura Guineri is in Ohio, and Peter and Belden are in Africa, a couple of different villages watching us. So greetings to you, dear brothers, and our sister Laura. Uh, if you have your Bibles or mobile device that you use for scripture, would you turn to um, Psalm, the book of Psalms, chapter 2. I want to bring an exhortation this morning on praying for the nations and build your faith that we actually, by entering into the ministry of Christ, uh, of asking for the nations, can rock a nation for Jesus. So let's pray together before we look at his word. Father, we do pray that you would have your way in our hearts this morning, that you would be fully glorified, that we would do homage to you, Lord, as King and Savior and Lamb of God, and um, that we could enter into that ministry of yours, asking for the nations, for your Lord Lordship to be supreme. Open our eyes to your word and to our unique calling as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to read Psalm 2 together. Um, to save a little time, let me give you the structure of this psalm. This psalm is broken into four sections of three verses. So the first three verses talk about one thing and the next three another. Um, so here we go. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They say, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. Ask of me. And I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. That last line, and rejoice with trembling, in the Revised Standard Version, says this, With trembling, kiss his feet. Do homage to the Son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled, but how blessed are all those who take refuge in him. May God bless the reading of his word. So again, this psalm is broken into four chunks of three verses each. The first three verses could be called the rage of the nations against the Lord. The next three verses, verses four through six, could be called 
the Lord's laughter at the nations. Verses 7 through 9, God's decree to the nations. And verses 10 through 12, his appeal to the nations. I want you to notice verse 8 with me and also verse 12. Let's look at 12 first, just the first phrase, do homage to the Son. What does that word homage mean? It's not a word we use very often. Uh, So I looked it up and it says it is to publicly express respect and honor and reverence for the Lord. So the So this psalm is saying, publicly submit, publicly do homage to the Son. And I I just love it whenever we have a service and people can come up front and just confess that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and how much they love Him. But let's go back to verse 8. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance. This um, psalm is using a uh, hermeneutical technique called the apostrophe or apostrophe, which means it's speaking to two situations at once. It's speaking to the coronation of David as king of Israel, but it's also looking beyond that to the coronation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So it's really the Father who is saying to Jesus the Son, Today I have begotten thee, ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance. You see, God has a master plan, an ultimate plan. It's his big story to gather from all nations, peoples, tongues, and tribes, a people for himself who will worship him and love Him, and glorify Him through all eternity. We read about this in uh, Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. The Apostle John writes that he saw that when the Lamb of God had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for thou wast slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Makes me think of that song, Oh, when the saints go marching in, how I want to be in that number. Amen? Amen. Well, how does all this relate to us right now? Uh, January 16th, 2022, we're three weeks away from our kickoff Sunday of our missions conference. Here's what I I want you to, to hear there is a small but very important moment in our missions moment that we do every Sunday. And this small, very important moment is when we specifically pray for the nation 
that our missionary is in. We not only pray for our missionaries, but we pray for the nation in which they are working. Let me say that again. There's a small but very important moment in our service each Sunday embedded in our missions moment where we specifically pray for the nation that our missionary is in. Now here's a question for you. How many churches in America do you think make it a every Sunday practice to pray for other nations in the world? I imagine it's very small. Um, I imagine most churches don't pray for our own nation every Sunday, much less other nations. And so this morning, I want to talk about four things. I want to talk about the importance of praying for other nations in the world. Secondly, I want to highlight the high impact praying for other nations can have. Third, I want to make some observations about the type of people God uses to impact a nation and some of the unusual ways he invades a nation. And then I want to finally note opportunities and challenge us to strengthen our prayers for the nations. So first of all, let's, let's look at the importance of praying for the nations of the earth. And I want to do that, or begin to do that, by looking at verse 8 of Psalm 2 again. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance. It's tempting to think that God is speaking to us in that verse, and saying, ask of me, and I will give you the nations. But really, that's not the correct way to read this. This is the father talking to the son, saying, Son, ask of me, and I will give you the nations. So God is not giving us the nations. He's giving his son the, the nations. But when we pray for the nations to be subjected to Christ and his lordship, to be reconciled to God, what I want to say is we enter into the work of Christ. We enter into His work of praying for the nations to be brought to the truth of the Gospel. We enter into the work of the Son, ever interceding for us and for the nations of the world, the, the book of Hebrews says. We have the privilege of asking along with Jesus for the consummation of his coronation over a, over a nation. Another passage in Revelation says this. This is Revelation 11, verses 15 through 17. And the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who art and who wast, because thou hast taken thy great power and has begun to reign. We enter into the asking of Christ for his rule and reign to, to overtake the nations. 
Now, again, how does this apply to us? I think that we as a church... have a special call to pray for the nations and not just our missionaries. Because our unique but very clear calling as a church is to train and release workers into the harvest. When we pray for the nations of the world, we, we're uh, exercising metaphorically what we might call our core muscles. How many of you have... have uh, been a part of a gym or worked out and become aware of how important your core muscles are. These are your inner abdominal, abdominal muscles that uh, are connected to your spine and to your pelvis, and uh, they allow you to stand up straight, to be flexible, and so forth. Um, one Physical trainer in New York said, core strength is important throughout your life. Your core is the powerhouse of all your movements. So building abdominal strength can help you perform athletic movements with more power than you would ever achieve otherwise. Now, I thought about asking Joel to come up here and demonstrate some core exercise uh, techniques the, the plank, the bird dog, the mountain climber, the bridge, but he, he was a little bashful, so we're not going to do that. But I want you to continue with this metaphor. You know, the core muscles are not, not your visible abs. Um, they're, they're internal. No one ever sees them. These are the invisible muscles that are invisible to all but God but they determine the strength of the entire body. I read that these muscles stabilize individuals against strong outside forces. They're the wall of force in the body that pushes against something or lifts a heavy load. And you can, you can sense that with me, that when you're, when you're picking up a super heavy load, you tighten those muscles in a woman, these are the muscles that contract so powerfully to give birth to a baby. What a spiritual metaphor. As we pray for the nations, we exercise those invisible spiritual muscles. Over the years, God has focused the prayers of this church on at least 46 nations of the world. 46 is the number of full-time um, missionaries that we've had, 46 nations of the world. We've had full-time missionaries working in those nations over the 52 years of our existence. Yes, praying for the nations is exercising those core muscles of our unique calling as a church giving our prayers force and strength and birthing new things in the kingdom of God. It's a different way of praying the Lord's Prayer. Think about the first few lines of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a prayer 
for the nations, among other things. So now moving on to the second point. Moving on from how important it is to pray for the nations, I want to highlight the impact praying for the nations can have. You know, we need to be built up in our faith that as we pray for the nations, as we enter into that calling of Christ to intercede for the nations, that we can see a tremendous impact. This little church, TCF, we've been talking the last few Sundays about how when we're weak, we're strong. Amen? Gordon talked two weeks ago about suffering and the purpose of suffering, and Bill talked last week about how there is the Lord's power in our weakness. And I believe as a church, we're nothing special to look at, but God has positioned us with our calling to make impact in the nations. Amen? So right now I'm going to ask uh, Andrew if you'd turn off the tape. Andrew, let's turn the tape back on. A second great story of impact is closer to home, uh, and it's the nation of Kenya. Uh, now, you guys know the parishes and uh, our long-term missionaries there. I think they were there in the neighborhood of three decades uh, who have no natural biological children, but they have spiritual children. They have spiritual grandchildren, and they have spiritual great-grandchildren, and I imagine even more generations than that. We honor that couple. I don't think any of us can understand the impact that the parishes have made in Kenya. You can take the parishes out of Kenya, but you'll never take Kenya out of the parishes. Amen. And we've prayed over the years for that nation, and they've made a huge impact in that nation. Aren't we grateful for that? But I want to highlight something very recent, and that is that our own Linda Steed with the Little Lighthouse just returned Friday night from Kenya, and we have been praying for her, and I'm going to invite Linda to come up and share a bit about her story, her story while she was there and how God was impacting, impacting the nations there. Yeah. Okay. Y'all hear me? Okay. Hi, Belden and Peter. <laughs> um, Belden and Peter are my sons. Um, so, hi, sons. <laughs> um, they're two wonderful men from Kenya that have spent uh, two summers here, and they visited TCF. It's been about three years since they were here who um, went back to their hometowns to start an amazing um, ministry to village to their to their home villages which were um, pretty forgotten well I don't know if they're forgotten but anyway very uh, strong Christian villages but very low economic uh, situations that many of the children um, 
primary school age were not able to go to school because of the cost and um, um, and the distance of the school. And so, um, and then children with any kind of developmental disability were not accepted into the community. And um, through their work, they have um, opened two schools now, Seed Power. And um, one school in Oyugis has, I think, I forget, sorry, Belden, close to 150 kids in the school, all K, K-4 through um, third grade. And um, the school in, mm-hmm. I, I, I have so much trouble saying this word, Nyankat, um, um, has 34 kids, but it just started in August. It just opened in August. And um, what God is doing in those two communities is is absolutely miraculous, really miraculous. They both those both of those communities now have clean water for the first time ever. And we looked at the the muddy streams where they had to go down and get water in the you know until these wells were drilled. And um, where they got water, washed their clothes, the animals drank and did their business, and that was their only source of water until, um, and we were able to um, dedicate the the water well in Nyankach, so that is like brand new. I mean, clean water for the first time ever. I It just blows my mind, to be quite honest. But this was an absolutely amazing trip. Um, Jim really gave me privilege, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, he'll, he'll have to come up and tap me on the shoulder if I go too long. Um, it was an amazing trip. It was a God, God-ordained trip. We had been praying um, for a long time about this trip. Really, probably... Um, at least two years because of COVID, we weren't able to return. I was there in January of 2020, um, and um, but because of COVID, we weren't able to return, and so there's been a lot of prayer and activity, and my computer is not doing what I want. Okay, so, um, but first of all, the, the disabled is the largest unreached people group in the world. If you gathered all the disabled together, it's the largest unreached people group in the world. Most countries, many countries, they are um, not accepted. They're believed to be, uh, it's a family curse or a result of sin. Um, They are um, um, rejected, and their families are rejected, their siblings are rejected, their parents are rejected, and they're very isolated they're very they end up in the poverty region realm and um and it's that's true in kenya um but it's changing um not i mean it's it's changing as so that's a praise to god um the little lighthouse as desire is to improve the quality of life for children with special needs, their families, and communities. That's our um, 
mission statement. In order to do that, you bring not only um, how to work with the kids, how to teach them, how to help control their behavior, how to love them, uh, but we have to bring the gospel because really to improve anyone's life, they've got to know Jesus. So we bring the gospel with us. And um, this trip to Kenya was really um, really um, exciting, and God just paved the way for us to get there so obviously. Um, we... Um, Okay, and, and between the gospel to the kids, we have to bring the gospel. We have to convince the caregivers and the teachers that God loves them. The, um, what they call it early intervention or, yeah, early childhood development or early childhood intervention for education for the K-4 through um, third grade. Those teachers are barely considered teachers, although they do have degrees. They are the lowest paid um, in the past. They have not even had a true salary and recognition. They just kind of have a contract that can be ended anytime they just decide to end it. And the pay is, is very low. Um, and there was just, there's no recognition or respect for those, those levels. So, you know, I knew from the beginning we had to encourage them and show them respect and build them up because if they're going to teach these kids, um, they've got to know that they are loved and respected and that God loves them for what their sacrifices because they're making big sacrifices to do this. Um, we also had to... Um, um, talk to the myth that the children were a result of sin or curse, which I think I just said. So the highlights of the trip, with all these goals in mind, um, was a two-day conference in Kasumu, Kenya, um, for educators and uh, social organizations, social work organizations, um, and lots of government officials, then we had church, family, and community greetings and celebrations one to two a day for about five days, five or six days. Um, we dedicated new buildings at both the Seed Power community um, uh, land and uh, the water system at Nyankach. Um over the entire trip, we were greeting gov we were greeting um, officials, government officials, county officials, community leaders, uh, and um, pastors, and uh, bishops. And you know, it was it was fun, but I was really out of my element for that part of it. But it was really cool, and we even had the governor of the. There's seven regions in Kenya, and the governor of the Kasumu region, which is where we were uh, doing our conference, was came to the conference and uh, and just encouraged people and said it was great what was happening there. And um, so, you know, we we that was 
interesting. We also were able to meet with three professors from Masano um, University, which is in Kasumu region, and they have a, a um, special ed and an early childhood intervention program. Um, and these are like bachelor degrees. So um, we were able to talk with them. They were um, very open and receptive. Two of them came to the conference for the full two days and were pleased with what they heard. And they have talked to, just said that they would like to enter in with the Little Lighthouse into some um, research projects. They're very big on research projects. So we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, like I said, the main my main role was kind of introducing introducing the little lighthouse and our goals and um, doing the pep talks and and that kind of stuff. And then I had a team of four additional people with me who really presented a lot of the information on actual classroom and adaptations and therapeutic interventions um, for the kids. I was, we talked about, um, uh, we had all 47 counties, okay, so you have seven districts, and then you have 47 counties across Kenya, um, which would be equivalent to our states. We had at least two representatives from every um, county in Kenya, so we covered the, the state. We had 305 at the conference. Um, and then, um, you know, it is a country with freedom of religion, so we were very open about the fact that we are a Christian ministry and we're there because of God's love and Jesus' love for us. Um, I was able to be very open about the fact that God loves all of us, even those that are different or have special needs, there is value, purpose. Um, everyone has a value and a purpose. We're all made in God's image. We all have potential. And we have something to give back to our community, which was um, well received. I saw a lot of head nods and a lot of, um, and, you know, yeses. Um, we, uh, one of the things, and I did clarify this with Belden actually this morning, that um, because we were so open and I was so open, then the the leaders, the political leaders, the um, all the leaders that were there, even the governor and the deputy governor and the university people were more open about their faith and and also professed um, love for Christ. Um, one of my points to them was that we all have a, a bucket of um, love, kindness, joy, patience, um, peace, you know, that we can give out. But without Christ, our bucket runs empty. And, you know, even with Christ, if you're not centered in him, sometimes the bucket runs easy and I've ex empty and I've experienced that. But it's only through relationship with Jesus Christ, acknowledging him and prayer, that our bucket gets filled up, that we can give it out again. Um, so that was very well received. Um, and the villages, 
I have to say, and, and this is, God has changed the trajectory of the lives of the villagers and the children in those villages of the two, um, of Oyugis and Nyanchuk. Being able to have early childhood education means that those guys are going to be apt, ready to go into to secondary education, which in the past they haven't been. Um, they might go to school, but then they're way behind. Um, and um, they're, uh, you know, and then having water, uh, and non-chalk especially, the water, I just, I wasn't aware. The, the chief of non-chalk said, you have brought us the two things we need for life. You have brought us water and you have brought us education. And that place is dry and hot. It's hard to grow food. Um, it's very, it's high. It's hard to get anywhere else from there. So it's not like they could run even over to the next city and go to Walmart, you know, if they didn't have a Walmart. I mean, it was, um, you know, it was very, uh, their life was very hard. Um it was a great mix of politics, education, and Christianity. It was the biggest uh, mix that I've ever experienced. Um, I wish the U.S. was that way again. Um, we had, we, I figured out that we had direct influence on over a thousand individuals during our two weeks there. Um, and if, Minimally, for, as a minimum, if each of those 1,000 has an influence on 10 people, that's 10,000 people. The educators, the 305 people in the conference, would easily have an influence over 100 or more people um, in the next couple of years, the students and the people they encounter. So, you know, I can see that we, you know, have easily had a indirect influence on probably um, thirty to forty thousand people in Kenya, and that is that is um, you know the scripture says that God will enable us to do far more than we can ever imagine or dream of, and that's a, a Linda paraphrase, but you know that's exactly what happened. We were all amazed, continually amazed. Um, even on one trip, we were just went out to this tourist place. <laughs> okay. We, we went out to this tourist place. I told him it was dangerous to give me the mic. We went out to this tourist place, and, I mean, it was really, it was a rock, and it was this big tourist place. But So I climbed up partway, and then the, the guide said, that lady needs to sit here. <laughs> Um, because it was pretty pretty um, steep. So I sat down at the rock, and there was another family sitting there, and and I was just kind of off, you know. And um, and then the family was getting some pictures taken, and they asked if I would be in their picture because, you know, here's this white lady sitting there. Well, their daughter had special needs, very obviously had cerebral palsy. So that opened the door, and I was able to then talk to the family for probably 45 minutes. And um, he's already emailed me. I've emailed him back. And so I'll be emailing with this guy who wasn't any place 
near where we were working. You know, God just had amazing connections for us everywhere we went. And so it was prayers. I know you guys were praying for us. The whole trip was so smooth when we were on ground, so smooth on ground. The trip home was terrible, (laughs) but it was so smooth when we were on ground. And um, the trip over was, frankly, pretty easy. Preparing was a challenge, you know. So God was there and in the midst of us because of your prayers and I um, I really believe that the, the country of Kenya has been touched and they are a they are influencing Rwanda and Tanzania and Uganda and Peter and Belden already have contacts in all those areas and um, they're kind of a trendsetter for that area of of um, Africa so it's going to go way beyond the borders of Kenya and hopefully we'll be back there in a year to do more so thank you Linda is so humble I've known Linda for 40 years and She is so humble and yet obviously impacting an entire nation. I hope you caught that at least two representatives were at this meeting from all 47 counties in Africa. Um, And it, it just warms my heart so much to think of a family who thinks their child is... Um, their family's cursed or, or the child is demonized or it's because of their sin to realize no and that child is brought out of a back dark bedroom into the light and celebrated and cherished. What, what a statement for the gospel. I mean, just is so wonderful, these precious children. Linda's life, I think, is a living embodiment of 1 Corinthians 12. Um, where it says this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. Thank you, Linda, so much for your work. Could we just thank the Lord for his goodness through Linda, and we just praise you, Lord, and we commend you, Linda, and Peter and Belden. We're so excited about your work. I know we're running long. I want to ask you to give me just five more minutes, please. Some observations about the type of people God uses. Feel free to stretch if you need to, but... I want to say first, these people have as their number one desire to please God. And Paul said, whether I'm absent from the body or at home with the Lord or in the body, it is my aim to please him. Secondly, they find their calling and they stay in it. Paul knew he was called to to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And think about the people that are our missionaries. Linda, the Coventons, Parishes, 
Cindy Perry, the Wrights, the Harrisons, the Hines, the Niles, the Norcoms. These families and others have invested sometimes over four decades of service to a particular country. They, they know their calling and they swim in their lane. They're not jack of all trades. Um, if, you, if you research a counselor in Tulsa and you look up what services do they provide, you will read that they do anywhere from 12 to about 22 different kinds of therapy. That's always made me giggle a little bit because I want somebody who specializes in whatever I need. It's like going to a doctor for your foot, but occasionally he does brain surgery. No, you, you stay in your lane. You know what your calling in is and how that applies to our church as well. Let's know our calling and let's pursue it with all the strength that we have. A third characteristic of world shakers is you find them hanging out with friends in low places. Um, like the Garth Brooks song, I've got friends in low places. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, we read about that uh, not many of you were mighty, not many of you were wealthy, not many of you were uh, of great status, and yet God uses the weak things of the world to shame the wise, and he's chosen the weak things of the world to uh, display his glory. A fourth thing is these people work hard and they're faithful plotters who, pierce, who persevere. The good soil who, who reaps a hundredfold says that they do so with perseverance. And these people expect opposition and continually press through that opposition and fear. Um, Linda told me that she was so tired when she got home that Beth apparently had dropped off some soup. Is that right, Beth? And Linda had gotten into her recliner with, the, with a TV tray, I mean a lap tray, and the soup. She ate the soup, fell asleep about 8.30 Friday night, and woke up about 8.30 Saturday morning with the tray and the bowl of soup still in her lap. Uh, she she's, was spent... She had spent and w spent it and was spent for the gospel. Um, finally, these people really, really, really believe in prayer. Why, why do they believe in prayer? Because they constantly live in waters that are over their heads. Without God, they're doomed. So in conclusion, I want to ask that we consider how we can strengthen our opportunities here at TCF to pray for the nations. Um, may we as a church have as our number one ambition to please him. We, may we know our calling and stay in it. May we not aspire status in this world, but be perfectly positioned for God to use us. May we work hard, press through opposition and fear, and really, really believe in prayer. So practically, what can you do if you want to pray for the nations? We have the missions prayer brand that meets Sunday mornings uh, from 9 to 10. The Wrights, the Gwinneris, the uh, Mackendorfers, Margot, and sometimes others. Uh, consider joining that group and exercising those core muscles. 
There's the Wednesday night prayer meeting. There's attendance at our missions conference. I, I wish that some of us who don't regularly attend those Wednesday and Friday night meetings would make a decision right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there this year. I'm going to be there and at least pray for the nations and make my voice heard. And then finally, uh, some of you young fathers, I want to mention this book. We've seen it before, Operation World. Um, it's uh, almost a thousand pages of uh, descriptions of nations and how you can pray for those nations. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our young fathers were cracking open this book after dinner uh, once or twice a week and praying with their families for a nation. So let's exercise these core muscles, amen? And you're ready to exercise some muscles. Get, get up and get moving. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for building our faith, Lord, that we can enter into your asking for the nations and that you have a unique calling for us. Help us to fully walk out that calling. We thank you for our upcoming missions conference uh, with our speaker, uh, Joel, on the kickoff Sunday, and then Jeff Taylor for the main Sunday from Open Doors. May we really have a heart to enter in to that heartbeat of yours for the nations. Thank you for a living example in Linda of making a huge impact uh, for Christ just by humble obedience and uh, those qualities that we mentioned. We give you all the glory and all the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.